0: Podcast for February 17th, 2012. It's not safe for work.
1: Recorded live from just outside Andrew Breitbart's Angry Baby Safe Room. It's the professional left with Drift Glass and Blue Gal.
0: The annual Wingnut Trade Show.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it is. It's been going on for 30 plus years, 34, 35 years. And it's. Where, as, as your, your acronym is...
0: Conservative people are crazy.
1: Yep. And then you throw a bunch of alcohol on top of it.
0: And, and, w- and frat boy behavior. And yeah, uh, yeah and, it, and conventioneer behavior.
1: It is the core of the nuclear reactor that runs the right. Mm-hmm. It really is. This is distilled pure essence of crazy. And as much as I hate to be a pedant about these things, <laughs> five minutes of CPAC should convince any sane person... Why the conservative party needs to be put down like a downer cow? Mm-hmm. It's just it, it, it's it's a lost cause, a full of crazy, ignorant, often evil people and billionaires who fund them, and if they put it all on display. They just they hang it right out there and let it let everybody look. And that's the, that's the virtue of Rick Santorum this time around in the election is, if we had a rational culture, which we do not, if we had a news media that wasn't dominated by centrist douchebags who are so terrified of, of talking about the truth on the air that they would rather chew their own arm off than do it because they lose viewers. If we had a, a media where you're allowed to say the problem with our political dialogue is that the right's crazy and, and you start there. If we had that world, all any liberal would ever have to do to win any debate is to point at Rick Santorum and say, see, we told you so.
0: This is exactly what Lawrence O'Donnell was talking about on Thursday night. Yeah. And I want to read from the transcript of that show just those two paragraphs because I think it's really pertinent to what we're talking about. Here's what O'Donnell said Lawrence O'Donnell said I want Santorum to get this nomination because I want to see the debate. I want to see conservatism debated for the very first time in the general election. Compared to Rick Santorum, we have never had a conservative run for president. Ronald Reagan was way to the left of Rick Santorum. George W. Bush with his Medicare prescription drug plan to the left of Rick Santorum. The first President Bush way to the left of Rick Santorum. And so Republicans have been saying conservative, 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 and this country's more conservative than you think. Let's find out. Let's have these guys campaign. And Chris Hayes said
1: if – I, If I may, I just add Blue Gal. Yeah. Um, Lawrence O'Donnell's voice has gotten a lot sexier since he started doing this. But, pray continue.
0: <laughs> and Chris Hayes, too. Chris Hayes said, well, that was the rationale in 1964 with Barry Goldwater. And O'Donnell says, yes, exactly. Obviously, that stung for a long time, Hayes continues. I think in the case of Santorum, he voted for Medicare Part D. So, you know, the question of what is conservative? Bush... W, George W. Bush was the most conservative person ever when he was successful and as soon as he stopped being successful conservatism ran away from him. Exactly. And all of a sudden said the problem was he was big government. Uh-huh. It's unclear to me that the same won't happen to Rick Santorum if in fact he's defeated, right? I mean, conservatism never fails. It has always failed.
1: Exactly.
0: And you yeah, and I exactly. watched that and went, oh, wow, Chris Hayes is being yeah. very bloggerish there, isn't yeah. he? Well, this,
1: and that's, that's an old trope in blogger land, yeah. which is – because it's, it's a riff on the old communist yeah. line. communism has never communism,
0: failed, yeah. It
1: can only be failed. Yep. And yep. and the the idea – and this is something that you and I have, have talked about and written about, lots of people have, which is nobody knows what the hell conservatism means anymore. No. Except no. it means not liberal. And, and it means
0: anti Obama at this point. Exactly. Specific. And
1: whatever they think over there is is bad. Yep. And and which is great for me because basically every rational, reasonable, pro scientific, humane, compassionate position in the world has now been dumped into the liberal basket and has is now being well, not
0: repeated. only those, not only those, but things like national security and killing Osama yeah. and and think, you know getting out of the war with with. You know, your your head held high, so to speak. I mean, yeah. we can debate that, too. But, but getting out of Iraq. Getting out of Iraq. And and some of these things that were clearly, supposedly, in the Republican uh, basket, mm-hmm. and I would argue, and and we're going to get into this some more, family yep. values is now falling into the liberal basket Absolutely. as
1: well. Absolutely. Always if, has been. Always
0: you, has been it, there. It has, but, but it's been hidden. And, and. We talked about, you know, opposing Obama at all costs when Obama finally says kittens. Yeah. When Obama says birth control and health insurance and Social Security and women's rights, all of a sudden white people are inconvenienced (laughs) by the lack of those things. What did he say? (laughs) Huh? (laughs) What
1: are you talking about? No, that can't be right. No.
0: And and these values that we all have, these values are all of a sudden called into question by anti-Obamaism. Uh-huh. And and it's a loser. It's a loser for the Republican Party, and they all know it. That you can smell it in their breath. That they except, all know. Oh my God, we're really we're really pushed into a we're, corner. Well, here.
1: Th- think about all the groups, and this is think about all the groups that have now come under the Republican hammer. Who, all the groups are running against. They're running against women, yep. children, mm-hmm. the middle class, and American cars. Yep. I mean, they're running against everything except apple pie.
0: Yep, and kittens. And yeah. And
1: kittens, and they're doing it in the name of what God and country. Uh, This is what, and this is where the lie that they have believed for 30 years has led them. And this is, this is where that, that, and this just happened last night, which is why we're doing this on, on Friday morning. Because it's so important to nail this thing down, to get, to get this thing on the record and clear that I, I totally agree with Lawrence O'Donnell. With the idea that let's have a great public debate if we lived in a rational society, but we
0: yeah, don't. Yeah, see, that's the problem. And I think Lawrence wants this to be an intellectual exercise, and elections right. are not intellectual exercises. No, no. they have and real remember, consequences.
1: And, yeah. and and Chris Hayes has it exactly right. You know, after, after um, Goldwater took the party down in 64, four years later, Nixon turned around and picked up all the Wallace voters, all of the Southern white bigot vote in his Southern strategy or, or he, he learned from that mistake yeah. and he yeah. started applying a Southern strategy. So a third place runner in 1968. Who won several states and a ton of electoral votes, way more than Ron Paul ever will, was George Wallace, yeah. running on an explicitly bigoted segregationist platform. And Nixon figured out that's the future of my party. Mm-hmm. Incorporate the, the party of Jefferson Davis, screw Lincoln, mm-hmm. get the Jefferson Davis angry, bigoted white people into this party and we'll never lose again or, or we'll lose or we'll keep winning for the next 30 years. It's been 30, 40 years and they have won. They've won impressively. But the The Faustian bargain they've made is that they never – they can never allow themselves to be trapped into defining what the hell they believe because what they believe is so grotesque that they need to lie about what they believe. And now they've finally come to this corner where if Obama says it, it's wrong and – and the problem, of course, is they never fucking learn from losing. They didn't learn from losing the Civil War. They didn't learn from losing the Civil Rights battle. And they, they didn't learn from Goldwater or Wallace. And they're not going to learn by losing this election. It doesn't matter how many times you hit them in the head with a two-by-four. They always come back because they do exactly what Chris Hayes said they do. Yeah. They turn right around and say, well, George Bush wasn't a real conservative. Yeah. And they put on pantyhose and jaunty little hats and call themselves the Tea Party. And pretend that they've been asleep since the Ford administration.
0: Well, and and, and we talked, we listened yesterday to uh, um, excuse me, Newt Gingrich's latest radio ad, which is, you you need to nominate a real conservative. Remember what happened when we nominated Bob Dole? Crash. Remember yeah. what happened when we nominated uh, John McCain? Crash. Yeah. Now it's time for us to really buckle down and. <laughs> and nominate a real conservative.
1: Who's, who's missing from this commercial?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, George Who? George yeah. W. Who? No, yeah. they loved him. He. This is a guy who who was cheered at CPAC. Yeah, cheered yeah. four more years by the same clowns who now pretend they never heard of the guy, yep. never voted for him, never supported him. And so you can't have a debate with people like that because they don't they don't they don't they don't acknowledge that facts
0: matter. And or, or that their matters. own past matters, right? Right. right. And then but then on a separate uh-huh. plane from that, I'm going to segue. Well, do you uh, you from talk from about a separate Rick Santorum? plane from that.
1: Rick Santorum is the pure distillation of that.
0: He is and he's also a true believer.
1: He, exactly. Exactly. That's why That's the
0: scary part. Is uh-huh. he actually believes no contraception? He actually yeah. believes in theocracy. Yeah. You know that he, the exactly. Catholic Church is the best way to run a country.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and he he's he's a pre Enlightenment, pre Vatican II, yeah. Inquisition Catholic man, you know. Yeah. And he forget he,
0: forget all the economic equality stuff. No, <laughs> and, and, and
1: he and I'm, I'm sure he talks about manufacturing. I'm sure he believes that stuff. I happen to too. This is an area where if this were the private sector and he were a business owner, he and I could certainly work yep. together. You'd, he's be, not you'd be in the same
0: car driving me. to Indiana for some trade show. <laughs> sure, oh fuck <laughs> yeah, and yeah absolutely.
1: A, uh, a robust and angry conversation. We go have a couple of beers and life would be fine. But he's not running for the head of the trade organization. Right. He's not right. running for the head of some manufacturing consortium. He's running for the president right. of the fucking.
0: He country. doesn't own a tool and die shop somewhere. No. Yeah. No. no.
1: And that's the problem. He, yeah. His brand of conservatism is is. Com- is so destructive, but it's so pure yep. that you really can't hold up. It literally is black and white this time. Yep. yep. And guess who the black guy is? <laughs> so, you know, anyway. You, you but
0: I sorry. was going to segue to the separate plane of existence that is yep. David Brooks because yep. he talked about values Dad. this week also Dad. in relation to manufacturing jobs, which yep. I found fascinating. Do you want to talk about that?
1: Sure. Well, he, he wrote a column, as he often does, where he, he's just completely beside himself with how disorderly and, and dis- destroyed our social fabric has become. And how, uh, which I agree with. I completely agree with that fact. It, it, the, our, the social order in this country is, is shredded. The social contract has been, has been vitiated, has been violated, has been voided by one side. The social contract that made our, our middle class bourgeois values possible, which was a secure job where you wouldn't get fucked by your employer, where you could actually plan out your life, you and your wife and your 2.5 kids. That was the promise that, that labor made with business, broadly speaking, that allowed People to enter the middle class without a college education, but with a decent high school education, and to prosper and buy a house and plan for their future.
0: And is—and this, is- this is why you know some people are really alarmed that communities that used to be middle class and upper middle class are now mm-hmm. seeing the same kind of social problems that the inner city sees: yes. of tons and tons of single moms, drug abuse, yes, vagrancy, uh, you know, kids skipping school. Yeah. And and all of these problems that we thought were black problems somehow. Well, we thought yeah, were inner city problems. And it turns out it just requires an economic base to pre- to prevent those problems.
1: Ex- well, and, and this these are not anything that Charles Dickens wouldn't recognize. Yeah. Yeah. As you know, ignorance and poverty want and so forth. And they all lead to very bad outcomes. Yep. But what David Brooks desperately wants to do to avoid the discussion of of. Here's the economic. Here's the the hole that was blown in the in the bottom of the economic boat
0: by trickle down.
1: The, and and yep. the middle class is now drowning, yep. Thanks to supply side economics and casino economics. And and let's hey fuck it. Let's l- let the manufacturing base go. That doesn't matter. We're all going to be in the service economy, giving each other's haircuts, and and we're all going to be investment bankers. Well, that didn't work. And now if you go to Chicago, specifically to Chicago, which I know very well, you go to bad neighborhood after bad neighborhood, you're going to see empty factories. And there's a direct fucking correlation between letting that happen to those neighborhoods and those people who lived on the margins but still were able to eke out a middle-class existence because of that little factory that employed 40 people down the block. There's a direct relationship between that and the values David Brooks loves so dearly, which is orderliness, uh, 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 respect for labor, respect for your elders, respect respect for property, respect for the law, all those things are transmitted through the family and through the community. But once a community has been told in no uncertain terms, fuck you, we're abandoning you, we're taking away your jobs, we're taking away any hope you might have for the future. So what David Brooks says in his column about values, where he treats people as if they were pieces on a chessboard, Mm -hmm. that he can just move around and and he can just inflict values on them. He can just teach them the values that were part of that bourgeois society without any regard for the fact there's no jobs, there's no employment, there's no future on which those those values can rest. He writes things like, "I don't care how many factory jobs have been lost, it still doesn't make sense to drop out of high school."
0: That's a direct quote really? from
1: his. School. Really? Really? Yeah. And here's, here's another direct quote. The American social fabric is now so depleted that even if manufacturing jobs miraculously came back, we would still not be producing enough stable, skilled workers to fill them. It's not enough just to have economic growth policies. This country also needs to rebuild orderly communities. This requires, and I swear to God he said this, bourgeois paternalism. And I just, my jaw just hit the floor when I heard that because first of all, What David Brooks won't talk about when it comes to manufacturing jobs, just mathematically, is that there's a thing called a multiplier effect in the in the manufacturing world. Every manufacturing job creates or induces four to five or three to four other jobs in the economy. No other economic sector does this. The service sector doesn't do this. Trucking doesn't do this. Healthcare doesn't do this. Manufacturing does. That's why it's important because for every manufacturing job you have in the economy, you have three or four other jobs that are created either by people driving stuff around or dry cleaning or so forth. So it's the engine that drives communities. Secondly, it teaches the value of labor. It teaches the value of work. It shows people a direct path between here is what you learned in school, and here is where your future lies, and here's a, a path you can follow to give yourself a, a better, brighter tomorrow. But if you have a community where every adult in that community says, oh, fuck it, you know, yeah, there used to be factory jobs, but you know what happened? The man shut them down. You know, Mitt Romney <laughs> came into our town, mm-hmm. shut all the factories yeah. down, shipped them overseas, and told us to go fuck ourselves, and now there's no hope for tomorrow. And That's what David Brooks does not want to talk about. He wants to invent this imaginary liberal position, which is what he does, which is what people like him do. They lie about liberals. Liberals do care about jobs and economic security, which I know is shocking to people who are conservatives to think all we care about is welfare. We care about stable families. We care about stable communities. We would love to have all those programs in those communities to help prop up and build healthy, sustainable communities. But you can't fucking do it without goddamn jobs, period. And since the reason those jobs are gone has a lot to do with David Brooks's party and David Brooks's fucking ideology, that's why David Brooks doesn't want to talk about any of that. He wants to talk about values in the abstract. Mm-hmm. And then he dismisses everyone who disagrees with him as follows. Again, a direct quote from the article. The depressing lesson of the last few weeks is that the public, public debate is dominated by people who stopped thinking in 1975. He means me. He means people who disagree with him are just stuck in some liberal arcane past and don't want to have a public policy debate. Well, the problem is we don't have a public policy debate. We have Rick Santorum on one side acting crazy and we have liberals and thoughtful Business owners on the other side desperately trying to have a public debate and being told we don't exist, we're irrelevant, we're hippies, we're losers, and never being invited to the table. Leaving David Brooks free to make up imaginary liberal positions that nobody I know holds and then impute to those liberal positions all these terribly draconian, thoughtless, welfare-first, fuck-value ideas that no liberal I know holds.
0: And it it leads us to the vision of the future – yeah. that that is so anti people mm-hmm. on the republican side that there is no room for people people cost oh. too much
1: and and in the i mean this goes back to the bible
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know <laughs> where there is no vision the people perish yeah. it's yeah. that simple and, and for rich intellectuals up in the financial penthouses of the world, like David Brooks, they can just move people around like Monopoly pieces, like plastic Monopoly hotels. You can move a company here, a social group there. And as long as you force them to believe uh, – you teach them good values, it doesn't matter that they have no future. It doesn't matter that they have no job. As long as they're obedient little peons in David Brooks's world that aren't disturbing him, then he, he's fine. So what has changed – In the last two generations that Mr. Brooks does not talk about and will not talk about, no one like him will ever talk about, is not the fact that jobs have changed or the economy has changed, but that our vision of the future has changed. Our very conception of what the future looks like has changed. The society social disorders that he is terrified of would have existed during the Depression. Had there not been a man in the White House who told people, don't worry, the future is going to get better. If they didn't have something to hold on to, take a look at any history book and notice how close America came to being swept away on a tide of communism. Either
0: by fa- or Com- communism or fascism. Right. Yeah. Right. People so were losing precious- hope in democracy in the 30s. Mm-hmm. Very quickly. Yes, they
1: were. And, and-
0: Why? Because they weren't being fed. Right.
1: They were. Their factories were closing. Yep. Their, their farms were closing. Their communities were closing. Their banks were falling apart. And and you know who was telling them, fuck you, deal with it? Republicans. Then this rich Democrat got into the White House and said, we're going to fix this. We're going to hang on. We're going to to bring America back from the brink and we're going to give you a future. to, To quote Barack Obama, built to last. We're going to build an economy. We're going to put people back to work. And by God, we're going to succeed because that's what Americans do. He gave them hope for the future. But our very conception of what the future looks like, thanks to the economic policies championed by people like David Brooks, has been destroyed Mm -hmm. and replaced by something that this William Gibson, I quote from William Gibson, gets right out.
0: Everybody take a drink.
1: Everybody take a drink. It's William Gibson from a book called Pattern Recognition, a science fiction writer author of Neuromancer, and creator of the term cyberspace. I believe that is correct. At least that's what I used to teach my technology classes. So if I'm wrong, I'm lying retroactively. Write us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, William Gibson said this. We have no idea now of who or what the inhabitants of our future might be. In that sense, we have no future. Not in the sense that our grandparents had a future or thought they did. Fully imagined cultural futures were the luxury of another day, one in which, quote, now, unquote, was some, was of some greater duration. For us, of course, things can change so abruptly, so violently, so profoundly that futures like our grandparents have insufficient now to stand on. We have no future because our present is too volatile. We have only risk management. Period. That's the problem. The problem is that very visceral sense that tomorrow is completely chaotic, and and all the planning in the world will do you no good unless you're very very rich or very well connected or very lucky. That gets translated into local lore, into the common tongue of ordinary middle class people, people who sit around and talk to each other across the kitchen table and shrug their shoulders and say, "Fuck it, I don't know. Want to play the lottery?" And, and
0: it's, it's because of the inversion of the hierarchy of needs that David yes. Brooks goes about, about traipsing in that, oh, mm-hmm. you know, what we really need is values first and food second. No. No. <laughs> Air and water second, you know, <laughs> get your values first. Yeah. It doesn't no. work that way. Life no. doesn't and work that way. You have to feed people before you can preach to them. Not that I'm for that, but and if you honestly, wanna, bread if you before roses. It.
1: It, well, if you want to read whole books on the subject by someone who is from Chicago and studied the Chicago uh, situation in Cabrini-Green, who came out of Cabrini-Green, go read William Sennett, um, the, hidden, uh, the Hidden Injuries of Class or The Corrosion of Culture. Uh, he wrote a whole bunch of books, and he's got a whole bunch of stuff on YouTube, but his argument is really simple. Uh, it, it's profound in, in, in the, its effects, but it's really very simple. It's when we built a culture built on predictability and Uh, financial, relative financial stability and shared prosperity. And that's what made the values that we all hold dear possible. Then we got rid of those three things and expected the values to just go sailing along as if, as if nothing had happened. And when the values started to collapse, we said, huh, what's gone wrong with these people? What's wrong with their brains? What's wrong with their upbringing that they don't believe in the value of, of patience and loyalty and permanence and craftsmanship? And the answer is: Well, you 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 told them those things don't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Those won't get you anywhere. What gets you what gets you someplace is being friends with some of the New York Times because they'll give you a job for life. What matters is having a shitload of money, selling selling off other companies, and pocketing the dough like Mitt Romney does. Those are the things that will make you successful. And that's what Davos capitalism is all about, and yeah. that's what that's what conservatism has been about. Supply-side conservatism has been about for the last 30 years. And now the chickens are coming home to roost, and they don't like it. So they're pretending that if we just, just infect these people with viruses of values, somehow it won't matter if they won't have any jobs or food or future. And that's fucking absurd. So let's have that debate.
0: Yep. And let's have that debate in a way that talks about being proud to be a liberal. Yeah. Because on the left, we have Ellen DeGeneres talking about traditional values of caring for your neighbor Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: being honest and being. clear about who you are and caring about other people. But she's a lesbian. And then you have the Republican state senator, 51 year old widow talking about family values and her lesbian daughter and wanting to have a wedding for her and Mm -hmm. voting in favor of same sex marriage in Washington state because she loves her daughter and wants her daughter to have the closeness and the companionship that she had with her husband. Mm -hmm. And passing along that value to the next generation includes voting for same-sex marriage. Mm -hmm. We are not the crazy party now. You know, I mean, we've been labeled this, oh, far left, you know, crazy ideas and anti-American. We need to take everything that Newt Gingrich said about us in those GOPAC tapes Uh and flip them on their heads. Yeah, yeah. Because contraception in and outside of marriage is a family value. Yes. And yes. if anything that protects women's health is a family value. Mm-hmm. If we if we don't start embracing those values and talk about them that way. Flip it on our he- on their heads. Flip mm-hmm. them on their heads. that's what I want to do. I want to flip the guy who wants uh, you know everyone to put an aspirin between their knees, even though he says he was joking. He is now the congratulations, the poster boy for out of touch old white men trying mm-hmm. to tell women how to run their health care.
1: Uh, I'm sorry, blue gal, out of touch rich old white men because <laughs> that's what makes his opinion worth anything is that yeah, he can,
0: That's he why can, he can be on TV exactly yeah. is because he, he can, can fund his own presidential campaign. Right. For Rick Santorum, absolutely.
1: Like he was betting on a horse at the track.
0: Exactly, and he can, and flush that money down the toilet if he doesn't win.
1: <sighs> and All fire right. a couple of dozen employees and make that money right back.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and yeah. I, I mean,
0: yeah.
1: these are. It is. It is a blessing in a sense that Rick Santorum is the guy. This is where I agree with Lawrence O'Donnell a lot. Yeah. It it clarifies things so so much. This is the, if you take. Newt Gingrich's bombast, bigotry, uh, bomb-throwing, and just visceral hatred and complete contempt for the people who listen to him because he's completely grifting them. He knows – it's so transparent that he, he has contempt. He's making this crap up as he goes along, telling people what they want to hear. He has absolute contempt for the stupidity of the people who are dumb enough to follow Newt Gingrich. Take that, weld it onto the consciencelessness of Mitt Romney, the the ability – the, the complete willing to say anything. And to, and to say, just essentially, I have a slot in his chest go, please insert opinion here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then it comes right back out of his mouth. He's that, you know, he, people say Mitt Romney doesn't believe in anything. No, he believes in being president. Yeah. He just doesn't believe in anything but that. And the, the really pre-enlightenment fundamentalism of, of Rick Santorum, you bolt those three together, the most, these three terribly loathsome traits and you have the Republican Party.
0: That's the id That's right there. That's
1: they are. And the, and the idea that we're going to get a whole summer's worth and a whole election cycle's worth of looking at these people square in the face and and saying what, you know, labor used to say, man, which side are you on?
0: Well, and I loved your prediction last night that you made about what the summer is going to be about. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's going to be about flag burning and English-only education yep. and shit like that. Whatever you can find, Floating around on the very, very bottom of the conservative culture war sewer, that's where they're going to dredge up. Because remember, the whole contraception thing, the whole idea, this whole idea that Republicans are anti-condoms and anti-birth control pills for grown-ups came out of an attempt to distract people from away from the fact that their entire economic program had just fallen on its ass.
0: Well, and also distract people from the, the study that came out in January that the abortion rate has dropped. Yeah. And they're losing that issue because the abortion rate is dropping. And, and in part it's dropping because of economics, and part it's dropping because women are aware of the financial cost of pregnancy.
1: Yes, yes. That's, great recessions have a certain <laughs> salutary effect in they, certain ways. Yeah. And they really do. They do sharpen the mind. And I'm not saying that that's a good reason to have an economic global economic collapse, but it's a fact. Yep. And the problem that the GOP is having is, is, first they wanted to run on the economy sucks and isn't it terrible that President Kenyan usurper deliberately destroyed the economy and blah, blah, blah. Well, that's no, that, They can't run on that anymore. So, in fact, the positions that people like Mitt Romney took a year ago look so ridiculous and so transparently evil and so contemptuous of American working class people yep. that yep. they have to come up with a distraction. So a distraction, hey, contraception. Well, that distraction has now become an issue because it's blown up in their face. And they're, they're throwing everything out that they can find in the culture war sewer. But yeah. every one of those things is blowing back in their face because they're well, they're bad at it.
0: And it's also it's also blowing back in their face because if you are an exploiter of minimum wage women workers, the last thing you want is for them to go off of contraception. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't want you don't want pregnant workers in your in your Walmart, oh. who get family leave. You don't <laughs> no. want that. Oh, not just- that they do, but I'm saying you know you don't want part time minimum wage workers getting pregnant. Oh, that's uh, and- you want them. On the floor, <laughs> you know, exactly. How, and however brutal that
1: is, that's the economic, that's
0: truth. the economic truth.
1: And and so you have this this hilarious, um, this hilarious situation where the distractions that Republicans are desperately flinging up to try to distract you from the last distraction are themselves becoming disasters and requiring further distraction. And so, how
0: many other constituencies can you alienate?
1: Oh really? Uh, they have well, but that's but that's the that's the pure beauty of this cycle. Is they are really really, um, uh, they're really really refining themselves down to their pure essence, which is angry old rich white men, stupid people, yep. and, and bigots. Yep. And that's really all there's. That, and and I put in conservative fundamentalists who believe the earth is nine thousand years old under the stupid people.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. You, maybe they're ignorant. Maybe they're just brainwashed. But that. Core. This is, I wrote a a column, a post years ago called Reactionary, which likened the GOP to a nuclear reactor. Yep. And at the core is this burning hot center of pure fucking crazy. And and the thing that keeps the entire reactor going is the coolant, which is David Brooks, the reasonable conservative, and, and David Frum, a reasonable conservative, and George Will, and all of the establishment conservatives who say, don't pay any attention to the crazies at the center of the party. They're not really there. They're not really crazy. We're in control. But as the years have gone by, that coolant has been leaking away. Yep. And now... The or
0: the center has been getting hotter and hotter and hotter yeah. to just boil yeah. it off. I mean
1: it's And more and more concentrated. And now it's just fucking rush limbaugh all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Now now the the, the actual bright, ugly heart.
0: Who is who, as Lawrence pointed out on Thursday night, is childless yes. with four marriages. After four <laughs>
1: marriages and God knows how many sex tourist trips yeah. maybe yeah. The, maybe the OxyContin has withered his penis to the point you where
0: You never goes. know. You know. I don't okay. want I don't want to examine that.
1: Well, I kind of think that's a that's an issue for conservative, old conservative men. Yeah, is they are really preoccupied with with other people touching women?
0: Yeah, because, because they can't. They, <laughs> they can't they're, reach they're,
1: up. They're tiny, withered conservative <laughs> penises. I
0: knew where you were going with do this. Do
1: the job, <laughs> and and of course. The most terrifying thing in the world is there's a big black hawk in the White House.
0: Oh, man. And
1: with his happy wife and his his well adjusted children. Yeah. And that's like their worst fucking nightmare. It's we have become the inbred freaks that people always warned us we would be, and we can't get it up anymore or satisfy a woman. And Barack Obama is a healthy, happy heterosexual male who doesn't mind it's gay under people. Under the
0: age of tolerant, 55, yes.
1: And, and he and his wife go out dancing. Yeah. And that's just got to drive them crazy. So, again, the the re, the thing that was always the monster in the basement of the GOP, that the engine that's been driving them for the last two generations, is finally out in the open. But, again, Chris Hayes is right in that just because they are publicly crazy and just because they get... Beaten by the Union Army or beaten by civil rights legislation is not going to slow them down. No, no. You know, they are our Sunni minority. They really believe that they're right, that they're the majority,
0: and that they're, persecuted. Outside, <laughs> that they're persecuted.
1: They're persecuted. They're majority,
0: but they're persecuted. Yeah.
1: And they only oh. listen to people who tell them what they want to hear. So they they don't they don't hear what we're saying. They don't recognize reality as it whizzes past them because they only listen. They have their head so far up Rush Limbaugh's ass yep. that they can't hear anything else. So the uh, sound of their, their entire movement falling apart and the, the sound of them losing elections is just a distant little rumble. It, it's you know just another battle in their war to get rid of those horrible liberals who are destroying America.
0: And on that note, you have a question for our listeners. I do, publishing- I do. A,
1: a quick question. Um, Blue Gal and I were talking over lunch as, as we often do. And just so you know, this is a little insight. Um, this is how we talk a lot of the
0: times. <laughs> um, we really are constantly just, podcasting throughout the day, throughout well, the week. We're, we're checking on
1: each other. Have you read this? This is kind of cool. Hey, isn't this funny? Hey, isn't this turn of a phrase interesting? What do you think of this Photoshop? Um, and we have the entire time we've known each other pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is truly just a, a, a well-sound edited piece of our ongoing conversation. And during the course of that conversation um, – As has happened several times before, Blue Gal has suggested, as many people have, that I should do a book, and I have a book in me. I think I have probably 12 books in me. On the other side of that argument is I I have this deep um, belief that no matter how much time or effort or focus I put into making a book, which would be time taken away from a job search, time taken away from finding other ways to support my family, time taken away from blogging, but that's the trade you make. That in the end, it would be one more passionate pursuit into which I have poured a lot of effort, which will come to nothing because nobody's going to publish it. If it gets published, nobody's going to read it. If I self-publish it, 50 people will read it and like it and I'll appreciate that. But 50 people will read a post of mine and I'll rake in the same amount of dough if I do that as doing a book. That will be an enormous amount of effort and the amount of, um, the amount of satisfying payback from that, the, 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 the what I get back from exerting that effort, will simply not be worth it. It will either fail or it will be a piddling little thing that won't come to anything. But I have been wrong before. And so I'm asking our listeners to let me know. My, to uh,
0: talk him out of it, to talk him into it, to do well, something.
1: <laughs> tell me what you think because yeah. I certainly can write. I can put words together. I, I know – Enough about the publishing industry to be despair of of, of ever having anything published and if it is, ever having it read by anybody outside of my little circle, which again is fine, but that's a vanity project. That's not a book. And so my question is, do you think it's worth it? And if you think so – You should write
0: to him directly.
1: Write to me directly? Some
0: of this is none of my business.
1: Yeah. Well, and this this really is – I don't know. I I can hear – my own you know the, the thousands of voices in my own head and i listen to my podcast partner and wife and who's very wise and, and thoughtful and o- only has my best interests at heart but i really don't know because i can't find an external touchstone who doesn't like me <laughs> in some way or, or what what's best for me Who can give me sort of a coldly rational answer like yes this would be totally worth it if you took a month and wrote a book i bet you could sell blah 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 i bet it would go or no dude publishing is dead um go to any bookstore, look around, look at all the direct that's out there, look at the people who have book contracts, look at the people who have fled the publishing industry because it's a disaster. Uh, it's That's not the future. The future is be over here, but that's not it. I would like some feedback from somebody who has an opinion either way. And my email address is driftclass 99 at gmail.com and drop me a note. Let me know. Because
0: we, we, he would love to hear from you on this and Again, it's really. I've had this conversation with him several times, and I'm on the side of do a book because it (laughs) it's something lasting that you can look at and say, I did this, Mm -hmm. and you know what it what else it leads to really doesn't matter to me because I love this man, so that's you know I I want him to have something that he can hold on to and give to his grandchildren and say, this is who I am, but. I, we'd, he would love to hear from other people on this and I think that he needs a wider uh, range of opinions than just me See, and, a book, and his mom
1: uh, yeah well and, and people and people who really like me and, and appreciate what I do are gonna say sure yeah that's a great idea yeah. and 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 I and they're sincere and I don't I don't got their sincerity or their well or well intentions but Back when I was taking writing classes before I taught writing classes, my most valuable teachers would not tell me what a good writer I was. My most valuable teachers would say, you know that first three pages of this short story? Yes. They suck. Get rid of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to – fuck your feelings. <laughs> your story starts on page seven, yeah. and the next two pages after that are terrible, and that's where the story picks up speed. So chop, chop, chop. That's what you need to do to make this thing work. That's the kind of advice I really value. Because it's the kind of advice that says, I've read it, I've considered it, I think parts of it are good enough to survive. But for me personally, Drift Glass, this is a relationship I'm talking about. I have to devote a lot of energy and emotional intensity and time and focus doing this sort of thing in a way that would make me happy. And if at the end of the day it's just another vanity project, another – blog post that will roll off the end of the blog in two weeks and be forgotten by history. I don't want to do it. I don't want to waste my time doing that, as fun and interesting as it might be as an exercise. But if it's – Anyway, that's, and, that's that's enough said.
0: And we have a couple of birthdays in our family that we want to <laughs>
1: yes, do. We do. Yes, we uh, do.
0: My dad turns 76 today, Friday, the 17th. And your sister has a birthday on My Sunday. sister has a
1: birthday. We'll just say that she's 29 years old. She's 29. Old
0: and, and she's hmm? a fabulous knitter.
1: She's an awesome person. Yeah, we, she is. She is a. Uh, I envy her, but in only the very best way. She is an accomplished everything, and uh, really good. This is my at dad.
0: Her. My dad's yeah. a renaissance man, and my dad, <laughs> I'm sure, will be at the best restaurant in Pittsburgh today, Max's Allegheny Tavern, which has <laughs> great beers and, dare I say, potato pancake yes. Rubens. Oh my yeah. God! They're I've so had good. One. Oh my them. God! <laughs> they're wonderful, but. We we wish both of those family members a happy birthday. And we have a new Internet kitty this week, uh, the late, great Skeletor. And we're grateful to people who've sent us pictures of their Internet kitties who have passed away because we know that they live on in the Internet kitty world. (laughs) And Skeletor passed away in January, and is from Chicago. Yeah. So we like those Chicago cats. We welcome Skeletor to our homepage. Mm Professionalleft.blogspot.com, and he is the Internet Kitty of the Week. Yes. We love our listeners, and we love hearing from you. Uh, We have an app called the Professional Left app at the iTunes store. If you buy the Professional Left app, it gives you access to our podcast, bonus podcast uh, content from time to time, uh, both our blogs and our Twitter streams. And if you buy that app, we ask that you please rate and review it. We are on Facebook. If you go on Facebook and like our podcast, you can also friend me. I am Francis Langum, L-A-N-G-U-M, on Facebook. Feel free to friend me. I'll friend you back. We have a website, again, professionalleft.blogspot.com, where you can listen to us for free with no download and no registration. We have an email address, which is proleftpodcast at gmail.com, and we also have a P.O. Box. PO Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois 62791, where you can send letters, brickbats, bottles of scotch. Thanks for the scotch, by the way. Yeah. And you can send us your thoughts and your contributions. Uh, We appreciate financial contributions to this podcast. It makes a difference to us in in being able to do this podcast because you help pay our internet expenses, our PO box expenses, our our podcasting expenses. We actually have expenses uh, each month to put this podcast on Buzzsprout. And you help us do all of that with your $5 contributions. And we appreciate it so much. You can do that on our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com. Or you may also do that with a contribution to add our PO Box. We have a letter from Mike. And some of our listeners are just good writers and very smart people. And he writes... Baby Randite Jesus Be Praised, The Flying Spaghetti Monster, Broke Into The Big Bad Liberal Government and Took Back Some Of The Money They Stole With Their Commie Socialist Taxes. ACORN! Fundamentally! Normally, I split my contribution between the blogs, but with a single household now, I guess it's easier for one donation. In spirit, this contribution is for the two blogs and the podcast. Well, thank you very much, Michael. We appreciate it. We do, Michael. Being privy to your weekly conversation is a privilege, and I'm one of those people who frets, where's the podcast? (laughs) We have a lot of those. So are we, Michael. (laughs) So So. are we. (laughs) I'm assuming you'll touch on CPAC this week, that suburb of Rilia that rises once a year from, how do you say that? Chuthlu? Cthulhu. Cthulhu's nightmares. Thank you. Cthulhu's nightmares. While the overt presence of the Birchers last year was... Shocking isn't a good word. Surprisingly notable? (laughs) This year, the overt racism is actually surprising me a bit. Like Driftglass said, though it's not newt, I think we're about to see someone just get on stage and shout, N-word, N-word, N-word. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that might be Andrew Breitbart. Oh, man. Yeah.
0: And happy Valentine's Day. You two are a sweet and intelligent power couple. I hope you get a bit of quiet time this week or... Get out your Callista wigs, sweater vests, and Bain Capital brand Magic Mormon underwear, and get your freakiest liberal freak on, like your focus on the family staffers at CPAC, who can use the company credit card on Rent Boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a sentence there, Mike. <laughs> that is, Mike. You know,
1: we're, we're passionate people, but we ain't freaky like CPAC freaks. You know? <laughs> C- <I mean,
0: laughs> CPAC conventioneers.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, who, by the way, I'll bet you to a person use contraception. <laughs>
1: <laughs> use the two bag method.
0: Oh, man. Uh huh. But thank you, Mike, for your letter. We really appreciate it, and we appreciate your contribution so much. And if you write us, either at our P.O. Box or at proleftpodcast at gmail.com, please be aware we reserve the right to read your email or letter on the air unless you let us know otherwise. So, Driftglass, how are the Internet Kitties doing this week?
1: Well, ironically, the Internet Kitties are on the phone this week with their agent working on the publicity campaign for the fourth book in their award winning trilogy.
0: Let's think about living. Let's think, 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 think about loving.
1: Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the bopping and the loving love it,
0: Let's forget about the whining and the crying, the shooting and the dying and the fellow and the switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Think of my life. This podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license, copyright 2012, Drift Class Blue Gal Podcast.